The tale of Sweeney Todd has been told for generations. It's been adapted from the page to the stage and now on film. Tim Burton's vision of this classic tragedy is a unique and stylized expedition into the mind of a killer. Take the trip to Victorian London, where chimneys paint the skies black and the streets run red. See for yourself how an insignificant pie shop becomes the center of a city on fire. I'm James Hockenjoes, and this is The Rewind. Hey guys, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to The Rewind, presented by House of Happy Podcast Network. Your scientists are so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they just stuff they got to shut, shut, Never tell me the odds. The Rewind. The Rewind. The Rewind. Yo, what's up? We're back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Rewind, presented by House of Havoc. Mr. Gage Zangi, still away on his Barstool tour. Filling in once again, we have Vinny Contronio from Tiger Pack Productions, also our video editor here at the House of Havoc. Oh, thank you for having me again. Let's, uh, let's talk about some... It's always a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Today, we will be tackling another one of Vinny's choices, Sweeney Todd and the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan. I didn't know you were going to open with that. Holy shit. You got to ease us into that. <laughs> we, we talk about this shit on the regular. You can't just throw that at me right now. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. We'll, we'll, we'll let you two guys go, and then I'll, I'll give my score and my review and everything after the fact. So, Emily, why don't you go first since there seems to be less of We've already spoken about it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you're not as mad at me. I wasn't mad at you to begin with. I actually had a feeling when he said Sweeney Todd that you probably were not going to really be into it. Um, I saw Sweeney Todd when it came out in 2007. Um, it, yeah, it's it's just been a part of my entire um, career, honestly. It's been something that I've held at very high regard. I actually haven't watched it in years. And rewatching, I was like, it, it my score dropped a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It did. It did. It What's doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I still hold it in high regard. I still love it. But yeah, no. I mean, it, there's, there's, there are issues with it. There are things that I wasn't crazy about. There are things that, um, on, and based with the play that it's a movie, so we're, we're bound to lose stuff and we're bound to cut stuff and bound to shorten stuff. But a big issue I actually do have with this movie is that we don't have a single assembly song. They were all cut from this movie. For, for ensemble? Legitimate, for legitimate Yeah, what I say? Assembly? It sounded like you were trying <laughs> to... So you combine ensemble and assembly. <laughs> it's fragile. Yo, honestly, I, ha- I didn't sleep last night. I had Words. not... A w- I'm trying here. I'm doing my best. For a writer... Listen, I'm very well at the, the written word. The spoken word has been a struggle what, my entire life. What's a biome? Yo, oh, that was bad. Okay, so we're, we're, we're watching TV and he's scrolling through Disney. It was the Plus. Star Wars section of Disney Plus. <laughs> and she, I'm looking through and they added a couple of new animated shows recently. And she looks up and she goes, What's a Biomes? And <laughs> no, as I'm. It was worse than that. I go, Biomi? What the fuck is a Biomi? It was the Wawa. It was, What the fuck's a Wawa? That's that's what I did. And as I'm sure you might have already pieced together, the word is biomes. Yeah. It's biomes. And I just looked at her, I was like, you mean biomes? 
<laughs> Yo, my so what lane of, of Disney Plus were you guys on? The, the Star Wars. Oh, the Star Wars. Yeah. It's a Star uh, Wars show. Well, I listen. As soon as you said biomes, I was like, yup. It's um oh, you're like like the Nat Geo section, like biomes, like the ocean dude, and shit. <laughs> dude, I listen, words are tough for me unless I'm writing them. When I have to speak them, they're tough. I have a stutter. My brain works first faster than my mouth. I, I don't I, I struggle with names. I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys. I'm doing my best here. You put you honestly put the worst person in this position. Great at research, terrible. 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 Terrible at hawking. I'm terrible at hawking. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I coming like me get into the entertainment field. I came up through musical theater and um, stage, and that was like where my my first love really does lie is in the stage and stuff like that. But um, this was one of those uh, plays that I just loved i love the darkness of it i love the dark story i love when the villains are our heroes um in a story as i mean most people who know me or know my writing know i appreciate an awesome villain uh sweeney todd is kind of one of those villains that is that classic villain um he's the classic scorned pert like scorned man who you know turns to the dark side he's the anakin skywalker you know, loses his, his wife dies, loses his kids, and uh, becomes evil. Great, love it, love it. So for that purposes, I do love this film. And then I, the music has always been. I actually sang Green Finch and Linnet Birds for Nisma one year. So, That's not an easy song. No, it's not. <laughs> and the fact that I like, I was like, <laughs> she was singing it. Joanna was singing the song, and I like was thinking to myself. How in God's name did I ever manage that? Because now if I tried to sing that, I mean, I'm just going to sound like a dying cat. I, there's no chance in hell. I could hit some of the notes, but there's no chance in hell I'm going to be able to sing that entire song. I mean, that is, I'm going to have an aneurysm. Like <laughs> something's going to burst because I'm such an alto now. I don't know. And I sang that like in high school. Like it was definitely when I was seen at alto. But I guess that's uh, that's what smoking and and life does to you i guess <laughs> yeah like, yeah just screaming it's it been a lot of you screaming. All down a whole octave <laughs> it, it, you know i came from probably just screaming all the time yeah. at everyone but uh yeah so i i do I, I i to rate this movie god i'd probably put it at like a seven six Oh, there's going to be so many clips this, for you to pull, Vinny, just on your face alone, man. Are we doing ratings now, or are we going to wait for what we push I'm, I'm No, just, we're doing the ratings right now. So I, would, I would say do the ratings right now, yeah. 10 out of 10. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. This is one of my favorite films of all time. Vinny. I love this film. I think uh, I watched the the stage i watched the show that's available on apple i len carlo is not the lead i forgot who it was but uh angela lansbury plays mrs lovett mm -hmm. she she did that for a while yeah so i watched it and i had watched the movie first so i did have some preconceptions um but i really like the play but i i think the movie improved on a lot of the things that were lacking in the show specifically the violence i think the violence is so symbolic of his like rage and shit yeah. that every time you see like the gush like it's overdone but it's for a reason it's like it's catharsis it's it's very it's very burton in oh, the movie yeah. it's so it's so which i love Bur burton's one of my favorite directors of all yeah. time but um that yes i do agree with you on that that it is more bloody and that was done and on purpose it's 
perfectly casted. Like there is not a single cast member. Oh, do you disagree? We'll get to it. <laughs> We'll get to it. I picked, I think, I guess this is a good movie to talk about because what the fuck? I didn't realize that I was walking into like. I'm waiting my turn. It's like not a fan, get a fan ish. You know what it is? I'm a fan of the story. I'm a fan of the music. I'm a fan of the movie. I'm a fan of the movie. I like the movie. I Would I say it's one of my favorite movies? No. Would I say it's a good movie? Yes. Would I recommend it to people that I thought would like appreciate that type of story? Absolutely. Um, but would I would I sit here and say it's a, a masterpiece or not a classic? No, absolutely not. I think it's Burton's best film, and I think it's Johnny Depp's greatest what? role. What? Yeah. Oh. And wrong I, and wronger. Vinny. I I really Vinny. new sequel. It's called wrong and, and I just wronger. I just watched I just watched Sleepy Hollow for the first time the other day. Where and everybody you think, was like, and you think that this is better for Burton? I think this is better. I think Sweeney Todd is better than Sleepy Hollow because. I mean, Sleepy Hollow, there was an overall tone that was a stat, like, but in Sweeney Todd, I'm saying there is a tone Edward that's completely established. Scissor hands. It's too. I, I like it. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I think all of, well, up until a certain point. Tim Burton. Beetlejuice. Yes, but this is so grounded in its, in its, in a genre that, like, how often do you see a musical that, that, conveys such dark tones and and violence and character depth i'd say 35 percent of them this is this i mean this outlines. is the perfect musical for it Burn. is this is the, i would say that is the perfect out of musical all of them like he nailed the story he nailed the the motivations like he nailed burton nailed every possible facet of this film and i think depp was the perfect choice i don't see anybody other than hugh jackman if oh, playing the role oh my god you're killing me. You're killing me, kid. You're killing that, me, kid. But, but he doesn't know me. what your notes are. No, not even. No, it has nothing to do with that. That you think that Hugh Jackman would be better in that role. Uh, no, I didn't say he could be better. I said the only but person in my mind that I could see I playing that role that. Is, is Hugh Jackman. No way. I totally disagree with you on that. I to I don't want. I don't think his. I don't think singing wise that he would do that justice. Uh, not that he. Not that he doesn't have the voice or that he couldn't do it. But I, no. No, no. May I interject? Yes. Um, before I get into my whole deal, I told you this. I had read this, the story, a short story version of this tale, probably in one of those like collection of short story books, like the lit books yeah. you get in middle school. Like this is way before this movie came out because I remember reading this and then we were doing, it had to be like two years at least between me reading it and then the movie coming out. So we're talking like 05-ish. I probably read it in school at some point, fifth, sixth grade English. It's a pretty dark one to read that young. I'm telling you, I was in middle school at like sixth grade at the oldest. Possibly. It was way before, because by the time the movie came out, I was like, oh, isn't that about the psychotic barber and what are they... They cook the food into something, right? And then someone's like, meat pies. I'm like, yeah, meat pies. I mean, like, I, it was long enough for the details to be fuzzy, mm -hmm. but I knew the, gen the gist of it. But hearing that that movie came out, Johnny Depp made sense to me then. Like as a kid, having read the story, let's call it 18 months beforehand, Johnny Depp made all the sense in the world to me as an 11, 12, 13-year-old kid. Now I will get into my whole bit. First time I ever saw this movie was a week ago from today. Not great, not a huge fan. I'm gonna say Helena Bonham Carter 
is absolutely fucking fantastic in this film as well as you know she's like the the Midas everything she does is gold yeah she saves this movie prevents it from scoring at like a three seven she brings it up to like a five two five three in my eyes Tim Burton's fingerprints are all over this film don't necessarily think that makes it good I'm a huge Tim Burton fan doesn't do it for me we'll get into it later but i don't think johnny depp was great i don't know who i would correct him with but i I don't know who i would replace him with but i don't think because like johnny depp at this point he's like a hall of famer like if there was a hall of fame of acting but there's got him there he is a hall of famer yeah Yeah, but edward scissors scissor hands is before this and Mm -hmm. they don't even consistently good fucking compare paris academians before this too yeah It's just going into it. Now, maybe it's because I'm watching this movie in 2021, knowing who Johnny Depp is and knowing everything that you expect from him when you see him on the screen from Donnie Brasco all the way through to fucking Pirates of the Caribbean 7 or whatever it is. (laughs) He's always at least like he's always the bar. It's like Mariano Rivera closing Mm -hmm. for like he is always at least an A minus. The floor is an A minus for him. So I don't think he got there. So maybe that's maybe watching it in 07, I'd feel differently well, about I, it. But watching it now with the who Johnny Depp is and what like he's we say there's three fucking shapeshifters in acting. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman, Johnny Depp, and um Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only roles I don't think he does any shapeshifting in. It's one of the only roles besides Donnie Brasco that it's very clearly Johnny Depp, at least to me. Um, I will say that seeing us in 2007, I loved it. I well, did. I don't you have know? that. I don't have like, that advantage. I'm I giving you what I have from what I saw. I know, but that's what I'm telling that's you. That's fair, though. The I other have. thing that I will say is now these are these are personal scores. I'm not looking at this. It's my score. Right. The same way your 10 is your score. We're not looking at it as critics who are being everything's fair and equal. What I like, what you like, we're scoring it for ourselves. With that being said. We've done Jurassic Park that topped at a nine five. We did Scott Pilgrim that was a nine seven or something. Oh, yeah. We've done a lot of movies that I think are way better than this that we we just couldn't give it a ten because a ten is perfection. And I'm a little insulted that you came on the show and gave this movie <laughs> a ten zero. But that's fine. I don't want to discourage you to change your score. Your score is your score. I'm not going to change that. But that's my opening bit on it. Like we didn't give Gaines ten. No, gangs, well, here's the thing. We knew we were going to run into this problem when we started because we started with heavy hitters. Yeah. And we were going to figure the scoring system out a little bit more as we went along. So I think gangs is like in the sevens because we were like, well, if if we set the if we start off with something as, as a nine, then where do we go from there? No, I think we definitely scored gangs higher than we did? seven. We did? 100%. Right. There was, That's no, fair. We talked it's been about a while we since we did gangs, so we, I can't even remember. Yeah, no, no, we definitely got that. But um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. 10, man. And so I'm just going to say it now because the whole do your research thing from before, I was fully prepared because I knew this was one of your favorite movies when I said I didn't like it. And then when I scored it right around a five that you were going to say, do you have any reasons that in your head that you think why I wouldn't like it? General reasons, genre reasons. Are you a fan of like the musical genre? 
I thought you were going to say because you don't like musicals. And that's when I was going to say, Vinny, I don't want to fucking yell at you, but I'm going to have to yell at you because I've been into plays. No, I didn't. I, that's why, that's why <laughs> so I So that's where the do your research. Dro- that's where the do your yeah, research. That's why I came didn't in. want to assume. Because I was going to yeah. say, do your research before you come on the show. I've been in fucking Bye Bye Birdie and Guys and Dolls. So but like, that's why I didn't want to. A- that's why I didn't want to assume like, oh, it's because you don't like musicals. That's like, that's why I asked, like, are you a fan of the musical genre? And then you would say yes or no. And then my next question would be. Are you a fan of like that gothic uh, genre? Yeah. Yeah. I just something about this movie. Maybe it's seeing it all these years later. It didn't. Now it was the runtime is good on it, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. It's never I wasn't looking at my phone a lot. But it just really like. Well, I guess I'll just get into right now. We kind of discussed this. Uh, The whole first act is kind of like an opera format where there's almost no dialogue. It's all it's song to song to song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, and I think in this film, in this story, if you're going to have the one of three acts be an opera, the first act isn't the spot for it. So, so I that's to, not necessarily Burton's yeah. fault. I have to disagree because it's... I'm going to use the Disney analogy, like a Disney formula. The best way to get exposition out there in a way that's entertaining and enticing to an audience is to do it through a song that's catchy. So that's why a lot of the first acts in Disney films are like prominently song. Like I just want to be king or whatever. Like we're getting that information. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's you're marketing it to kids. Like, how are you going to do that? Like whatever. So I know it's a little bit different because this film was marketed to adults, but there's a lot of information that needs to be presented to the audience. And the best way to do that is through music. So like the first, like literally the first song we get through the song that Sweeney's been lost at sea. He comes back with Anthony and he's obviously, he's scorned for a reason. And then we find out it's because, you know, he had a bar, there was a barber and his wife, that whole story. And the judge took the wife from him. That could have easily been done through dialogue, but it's not because, well, number one, it's, it's in the play. They, that, that whole musical number is in the play, which I do agree that they did shorten a lot and it took out a lot of shit. For film reasons, I think that that's, no, I, I, I won't, I won't give it up. I'm not going to downgrade it just for, for that reason. But I'm going to downgrade for not having uh, any chorus pieces. Absolutely. That there is a, a thing. I don't know that, if you have now, it on like the facts thing, but there were going to be ensembles, but uh, Tim Burton cut it. I know. No, he, I knew it was cut. Yeah. I knew that. And I, I, that's something I disagree with. Being, being the one guy in the room with little to uh, zero experience like on the actual execution side of film other than you know i've been on a million small budget sets or whatever Mm -hmm. with gage and you is there like a budgeting reason or a recording reason there's got to be a logistical reason that there would be an advantage to cutting a chorus scene in a movie because i've been in plays the plays i've been in i've been i was a a chorus. you know i I wasn't sky masterson or anything i was a fucking chorus member but it just feels like that whole act, trying to do that on the silver screen, seems like a logistical nightmare. And, um, it, and it's, when it's yes. not central to the plot that you're trying to tell, when you try, you got to cut corners in this business. You know, maybe Tim Burton just said, I, it's worth not having to save the $10 million it's going to cost me. Or yeah, yeah. On, on a financial level, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons. Not well. that Mr. Burton's ever been one to spare expense. But. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't think that there was any, um, like financial or physical reasons for those not being in the story. I think it was all a choice. Like Tim cut Tim Burton. It was supposed to, Tim. He cut them. 
He cut them out. He did not want them in there. That's a choice he made. So it's not, it wasn't a, for financial reason. If, if I turned around and found out in the notes that, oh, it's because of financial reasons or it's because of scheduling reasons, I might have given a little bit of a break and said, ah, well, they did their best. But that wasn't the reason. He cut them. He didn't want them in. I think for story reasons, um, the transitions in the play of like when they're changing sets and all that shit, they use the chorus to their advantage to help them do that. But the interludes in the film are covered with the exact music from those interludes and those chorus lines. But the vocals, I feel like, yes, I, you could argue you can keep the vocals in there, but I feel like having the, the chorus, it's, there's no feasible way to do that. There's one song and I can't think of which one it is. And I don't know why I want to say it's Pretty Women, but I, I don't think it is Pretty Women that you also have Lucy and Joanna singing on top of Judge Turbin and I think Sweeney. It's, isn't it Kiss Me from the play? No, because it's it's one of the ones that's in the movie. But it's not all four of them singing. And that is something that I feel like is a shame because you're missing out on a great opportunity at putting a beautiful haunting um uh quartet because that's the point of that song is because you have joanna who is a a extreme soprano and then lucy who is also a soprano so you have um sweeney and turban who are these tenors and and um basses with this deepness and this vibrato like that they have this awesome sound to both of them alan rickman and and johnny depp that if you took those two high haunting melodies and put them on top of that i I think you you I think you lost out. That's what I'm trying to say. I think he lost out on opportunities here. You just reminded me I completely forgot because I guess this movie was just so forgettable to me. Alan Rickman's doing fucking Snape. Alan Rickman's doing fucking Snape the whole time. I couldn't look past it. It's not because of the act. It's the way he... I, I now... And I've seen him in stuff outside of this in Harry Potter. So I know it's not like a Seth Rogen deal where he's just acts no. a certain way he was fucking doing snape in in sweeney todd land he was doing snape his, facially he was doing at least in the at least the first half of his screen time he's doing snape you know at least he he's doing snape if lily had a girl and he kidnapped the child instead of giving the child a double door yeah it's just like the that's root of the root of the character that he's doing he's do he's reading the lines he's doing the character that's written but he's doing it like Snape. Do you think he was intentionally like drawing inspiration from that performance? Now this was done in 2007, so we're like right there. We're, at the, we're in the middle. We're at the fourth one, I think. Yeah. At that point, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's right, right in the heart of it. I mean, he might have just been stuck in it. I don't, I don't know if he was a method actor, but he could. Have I just don't been stuck know in if it's necessarily that he's trying to do Snape. I think it's just. Like now, Harry Potter is not like a dated piece, you know, and but like the everything about Harry Potter, even though it takes place in the mid to late 90s, because it's the Wizarding World, everything has this mid 19th century feel mm -hmm. to it in a way. And this movie actually takes place in the mid 19th century. So it's kind of like similar vibes, similar, like the it's also similar the character. The landscape. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing about it. I just literally and I tried fighting it because three minutes in, I'm like, he's doing Snape. Do you think uh, that, detra that detracts from the performance? I don't know if it detracts from the performance so much as it just is bland to me in a way. Because it's like, I've seen this before. Like you're doing, it's the exact, there's no, I thought there was almost, if you stick a black fucking trench coat on him and give him a wand, he's Snape. 
I, like, do I felt like agree. there was almost, and not just like, I'm talking about his fake, because everything about Snape is with the physical acting too, with the sneering and the snarls and the way his, he rolls his eyes. And maybe that's just part of Alan Rickman. But like I said, I've seen him in other shit and I know that it's, this isn't just what he is. Yeah, because we've so, seen him in villain roles too and it's not played the same. And even like just as silly as it is, Galaxy Quest. Well, there's a lot more for him to do. I went do. to um, yeah. um, Die Hard. Hmm? I went to Die Hard. Because he's, he's a true villain yeah. in that. Yeah. You know, and he does not play it at all no. the same. So uh, I'm glad that you that, that resonated with you a little bit yeah. when I said it. Because I thought, sometimes I'm like, am I just trying? Because I did not decide that I wasn't going to like it. I didn't even decide I didn't like it until the credits rolled. Like they, yeah, because it wasn't one of those movies. Like sometimes I'll, I'll turn on a movie twenty minutes in. I'm like, this is fucking trash. No, it be, wasn't that. Because I remember but I too. Was very unsatisfied at the end. I remember too. We were watching it right after the worst pies in London. Right after she finishes that last note and slams the um, the rolling pin down on the bug, he literally was like, "She's fucking phenomenal." Yeah, it, she's great. And that's yeah. the, the thing that the other point that I want to bring up with the music. If the whole point of the music is to like make it easily memorable and like easily marketable, I literally there's not a single fucking hook to a song that I can remember from the whole movie. Not a single bar from a single Jesus. song. I can vaguely. That, which one would you like me to sing? I, I was vaguely, gonna say. I, was I, can, <laughs> I got about three in the pocket right like now. <laughs> the, only, the only two that stand out are the little boy with Sasha Baron Cohen. The Look at whatever that whole uh, deal is doing. Yeah. Miracle, like and and the terrible fucking meat pie deal. Those are the only two. The one, the the, the first, first meat one? pie song when you get introduced to her. Yeah. The first time you see her. The on worst pies in London. Yes. Yeah. That's that one, one and then the little boy song, and then he kind of does a reprise to that song in the beginning towards the end with the meat pies. Yes. Oh God, God that's that's, the, good. that's it for me. Those are the only two, maybe maybe three songs that really? are actually still sticking. And this is only seven days later. It's not like I watched this five years ago. You didn't like that epiphany scene where he's that where he's like running through the streets, like, you know, after um, he loses the judge, the or uh, a little priest. Oh, that's love that's a little my priest. favorite song in the whole oh film. Oh my God, that that might be my favorite scene in the entire film. Yeah. Really? I You know what the one is um, where I made him laugh was Nothing's gonna harm you. Yeah. They they start saying that, and I literally looked at him, and I was like, "Sometimes I sing this to Cersei, who's oh, my yeah. dog." Yeah, I literally will like I. She'll be like staring out the window, or have like her like trauma face on. That you know, for a dog that never went through trauma in her life, she looks like she's seen the war. She's just a dog. Um, but I'll literally just like come and like start petting her. I'm just like, "Nothing's gonna harm you," and she just like curls into me, and I'm like, "This is this is what the song is meant for." <laughs> like the whole deal. Um, with the with the wife, Lucy. Sure, mm -hmm. that's her name. The, yeah, Lucy or the sure. beggar woman. Hold on. Sure, that whole deal from the beginning to the end. Like, first of all, the first time you see her on screen, I'm like, oh, that's her. And I have no, you know, I have not thought about Sweeney Todd in the last twenty years ish, twenty fifteen years, call it. So it's not like I knew because I knew because you know the story. This is a like consider it. I've never heard anything first time watching the movie. As soon as she comes on screen, I'm like, oh, that's her. And then the whole way they handle it at the end. Now I know that's more of like a stage deal, like the way they handle the she's dead, and then all of a sudden he finds out. Like the whole thing unravels in a matter of forty seconds, mm -hmm. where she lied to him and this and that, and now they're all fucking dead. Yeah. And I know that's like a very that's the way. Yeah, that's plays would handle something yes. like that. 
But for a movie, even I know it's a stage adaptation, semantics, whatever. It didn't work for me. It's my, you know, it just wasn't my deal. I'm not, it's not a terribly made film. Just not for me. And that's where I'm going to leave it on that. If you want, we want to take a break before we. Yeah, I definitely think we should take a break. Yeah, before we go let's into take it. a break. Fuck this movie. <laughs> All right. What's up, guys? As everyone knows, this season we are on YouTube. Last season we weren't. And I got to be honest with you. We kind of we were dressing like shit a little bit. You know, we weren't worried about what people saw. We were wearing pajamas. We had Anthony coming in wearing whatever sweats he wore to work that day. Half the time I'd roll out of bed and show up to the studio. But now the people are going to see us and we got to look fresh. We want that fine Italian fucking material. That's right. We're talking Saatchi Di Denaro, streetwear brand from Long Island, New York. The gear is fire. It looks good. Right now I got the M5 Motivated Money Making Monday morning hoodie on, okay? You're going to be able to get this and so much more at SaatchiDiDenaro.com. Promo code HAVOC is going to save you 10% off. That's S-A-C-C-H-I-D-I-D-E-N-A-R-O.com. H-A-V-O-C. Promo code HAVOC gets you 10% off. Always authentic, never counterfeit. Saatchi Di Denaro. All right, what's up? And we're back. Emily's going to lead us through the internet research for Sweeney Todd. Okay, so the director was Tim Burton. The writer was John Logan for the screenplay, Hugh Wheeler for the musical, Christopher Bond for the musical adaptation, and Stephen Sadeheim as the composer. Cinematographer was Darius Walski. Editor Chris Leben Lebenzon. Cast Johnny Depp as Sweeney Todd. Helena Bonham Carter as Mrs. Lovett. Alan Rickman as Judge Turbin. Uh, Timothy Spall as Beadle. Sasha Baron Cohen as Pirelli. Jamie Campbell Bauer as Anthony. Linda Michael Kelly as Lucy. Jane Wiesner, Wiesner, something like that, as Joanna. Ed Sanders as Toby. Runtime, 116 minutes or an hour and 56 minutes. Rated R. Location was Buckinghamshire, England. It was all shot in England, obviously, for aesthetic reasons. Release date was December 21st, 2007. Budget was estimated of $50 million. Box office was $9.3 million. Worldwide was $153 million. Camera Panavision. Uh, awards were Best Art Director at Johnny uh, Best Art Director won. Johnny Depp was nominated. Costume Design was nominated. And then um, for the Golden Globes, Best Musical won. Johnny Depp won. Helen Bonham Carter was nominated. And Tim Burton was nominated. Johnny Depp shouldn't have won a single thing for this movie. We also have to think, too, with the Golden Globes, it's divided by musical comedy. Yeah. So it's it's a little different categories there. Um, Niche I, market. Yeah, I do think Costume Design, though, easily could be nominated. I think the costume design in this is fantastic. Yeah, but that's Set not John Depp. Yeah. No, but I'm saying if there are any awards for this, I do think the costume design is one that that I holds up because it's it's really phenomenal. Every every yeah. outfit is beautifully made. And if we're going to give an award, to Tom Bottom Carter in this one. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just phenomenal. aesthetically amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I don't want to dump on it too much. It's just not my thing. Yeah, but um, so some facts. Sadaheim did not want to film this until Burton told him his vision on the condition he had casting approval. So that was a big thing. The only adaptation Sadaheim actually approves of. For auditions, Sasha Baron Cohen sang the entire um, Fiddler, um, what was it? The entire um, score of Fiddler on the Roof. I couldn't think of the word there. 
Helen Bonham Carter practiced singing while baking to get into the motion of actually singing while baking. Uh, Cohen hired his professional barber to teach him how to shave. Tim Burton insisted the film be more bloody than the stage because of actually what you said, it being a cathartic thing for Todd that these murders and stuff like that. And also he felt that in the stage um, show that that was one thing lacking, that the violence and the blood was lacking. But you also think too, it's a stage show. They, they, they have to keep going onto the same platform over and over and over again for the for a two, three hour show. You It's just a safety issue. With, if you're going to have that much blood, you have to somehow figure out how to contain that. So um, it makes sense why the play can't be what um, maybe they originally envisioned. Carter was pregnant throughout the whole film um, and it was with their second child. Carter, um, Helen Bonham Carter, didn't oh, she doesn't like watching her performances so she's never rewatched this and she said she hasn't rewatched most of her stuff but she said she'll get around eventually to watching this i see i never understood that i it's, don't it's like watching the game tape no it's like, not it's it's so different when you're acting like i can speak i mean he knows i can speak from from my own personal experience i hate watching myself yeah i do not and i i'm forced to because of my position um where i I have to like has to go through i have to check it before i can go out i can't stand it how is it not like watching game tape though because you watch back your performance. You you know no. you note the things that worked. You note the things that didn't work. Because there's so many other external components that go into film that aren't like when you're on the field. That's it. Like there's no like oh the the lighting was so shit in this in this scene. Like it makes me look terrible. Like that's you, you don't no get you know that. it's that's not no, necessarily it's true. Not that, that there it's... is there is things like that because specifically if you talk if we're talking football. There's 11 guys on the field, so there could be something that looks like it's completely your fault, but really this guy made the wrong call or that guy I did think, something wrong. I think what the difference is, is that in sports, like say, let's say football, and we're watching, the, you're the quarterback, and we're watching that throw. All quarterbacks throw, not the same, but they'll have, they'll throw, they'll throw. Acting is not the same. Because, yeah, we all act. We all may be acting similar, but my method of getting there versus your method of getting there are different. And if it's an emotional film that maybe took a lot out of me, I can't watch it because of an emotional reason because it brings me back into maybe a dark place I had to get into that for that character. The reason why I personally don't like watching it is I think I look ridiculous. I really do. And honestly, I'm not the only uh, person that feels that because there's um, an actor from Vikings um, who played Ivar. He, I was watching an interview of him and they were showing him a scene that is held at one of like, they say it's like one of his best acting scenes he's ever done. And it really is, it's a phenomenal scene, but he's a madman in it. He's, he's screaming in, um, I don't even know, I don't know if it's Swedish, nor, I don't even know what language it is, but he's freaking screaming, he's painting, he's so bloody and he's going crazy. And he's in this mode of that he's a God. And he's like, you are my people. Like, this is my land. Like we will uh, control like, you know, cat to cat and all this stuff. And he's watching it. As he's watching it, you just see the sheer embarrassment that crosses his face. And he literally puts his head down. He's like, I can't even watch it. He's like, I just think I look ridiculous. And me and my friends who all like this, we were like, that's one of the best scenes in the entire series. So I, it's, it's just personal. It's personal because it's like, it's like watching yourself like mess up something and knowing that you, everyone's going to see that. Everyone's going to see 
that version that you think of yourself. It's more of a projection thing. It's me projecting that I think I look ridiculous. I think like no one's going to think this works so this looks good. And in reality, like the attack, I, I mean, you were there when all of a sudden people were coming over, like Matt and Jen, like, oh my God, I watched the attack and like scared the shit out of me. Like I, I, had, I had to keep telling myself it was you. And I was like, what? Like I couldn't even get through that in editing. Like I thought I looked ridiculous. So it's, it's an opinion thing. It's just something that I guess it's, this is our craft and this is something we put so much passion into. And then to rewatch it and think you look like a, like just ridiculous or it's like, oh my God, why did I make that choice? Or why am I screaming like that? And then all of a sudden you're winning the Oscar. But that, that's what I'm saying. That's why you watch it to learn from it. Yeah, but you don't learn from it. That's the problem. It's not really like that because- fickle people yeah actors are fickle <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i just think that there's so many other external components that that make watching a screen performance a little bit more difficult than i don't know watching watching it watching a play on the field or whatever you know i and you do you can watch both for educational purposes like i think that you can learn a lot from watching your past performances and shit but I think that it's just you on that screen in that moment versus 12 other guys, you know, that are, you're kind of meddled with and you can kind of balance out that, all right, it's not just me, it's, you know, or I didn't fuck up because, you know, so-and-so, I, I, you know, he threw a bad pass or whatever. But when you're watching yourself on a big screen, it's very intimidating. Like so I, I, I can attest to that. It is very intimidating. It's it's tough. It's tough. Because you know what it is too? I think part of the reason I don't rewatch it is because I think if I rewatch myself and I like, like as if I was like trying to fix things and I rewatch myself and I'd see choices I make or faces I'd make, I'd turn around and say, oh, I'm not going to do that again. And that might be needed. That might be needed for a role. Or I may think that that looks ridiculous and that didn't work, but I, everyone else felt what that, like that worked. That made the character appear or do or whatever it be like you know that the director might be turning around saying that was the best shot of the entire film and here i am thinking that looks ridiculous it's because it's me it's like taking it's like seeing a, a picture of yourself and going like oh my god i look horrible and that and everyone's going wait yeah, it's, it's nice like picture. the first time you spoke on a podcast and then oh. you had to edit it well that goes that's the same that's the same thing i guess i get that the first time i listened to myself on a podcast i was like oh i was rough Ooh. i hated that i was like this is <laughs> but it's all right I'm a master. Is this my voice? Do I really sound and like what it? did I say? Yes. I, said, I felt like you said yes. You really do. I really, I became, <laughs> I became you. I was like, stop sounding my voice. So moving on budget, where are we at here? Um, I'm, I'm into fast. Oh, we're way babe. past that. Yeah, babe. Well, let's go. Um, geez. Uh, Depp said he considered Todd a long lost relative of Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> and Hathaway was almost Joanna. Um, some, some of the pies were edible and it was apparently they made well over 600 pies. I've actually had meat pies in London. They're not bad. They're a little bland. Did you have the cook. worst they pies in London? They were not the worst pies in London. That's I can good. They don't know how to cook anything in London. That's so not true. The fish and chips was the best fish and chips I've ever had in my life. They can fry fucking flounder strips and french fries. Culinary cat, a fucking capital of the world, babe. I'm just saying it was... Phenomenal. Get me the best fucking amateur cook in London. I'll cook circles around that dude. Find me, call me, let's do it, bro. 
or female, bro. Bra, bra. Depp, which I actually just found this out that this was the first film Depp sang, because the other musical he was in was Crybaby, and he lip synced the entire thing, which I did not know. I didn't. I thought they had mashed his voice. Was it somebody else that he lip synced to, or he, he lip synced his own? No, he lip synced to someone else the entire film. Okay, that blew my right. Mind. I thought they mashed his voice with someone they else. They did that really fucking well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that destroyed me a little bit. Um, uh, Helen Benham Carter had extensive vocal and baking lessons to master this role. The play has Toby as a special needs adult, not a child, and in the play, his name is Tobias. Seventh, well, what? His name's Tobias in the movie too. Do they say Tobias? To- well, Toby's but they don't say name. Toby. In the I don't play. know if they ever call him. Someone calls him Tobias at least once. In that it might have been Pirelli. Yeah, I think Pirelli yeah. does call Pirelli him Tobias. Because I, because I, I saw that and I was like, I was assuming I just knew that because I know the play, but I could have sworn no, they said the movie too. I'm I'm here telling you that his name's Tobias, and I've only ever seen this movie one time. Right. Okay. Never so, so. yes. Yeah, so that was that. Uh, this is the seventh collab between Depp and Burton. The first appearance of the story was in 1846, uh, called The Stream of Pearls, and it was um, not the same. Like he wasn't a scorn. I mean, he may have been scorned, but he it wasn't the same storyline. He was more crazy. He was more of a crazy barber than he was a scorned. Barber like he is in the storyline, and that was made more for the play adaption. The original production was uh the original Broadway production was February 6, 1979, and it ran for 557 performances, won the 1979 Tony for Best Musical, Book, and Score, uh, which we talked about earlier, multiple songs were excluded and all uh, and some eliminated or shortened. Film was in development for over 25 years. It wasn't until Burton came along with his vision that he they convinced Sadaheim to actually make it. The film's conductor was the musical, the original musical director and conductor for the Broadway production, Paul G. Jumanji or something. Jumanji. No, I know something weird like that. I, I'm definitely butchering that, so I know. Where's Gage when we need him? I know. I Gage, need someone Gage to just name read master. names for me. I'm so bad at it. Uh, Burns trademark is seen with the black and white stripes when you see them at the beach in their bathing suits. So that's. Um, we said ever all of his films there's a body count of 12 in this film um in the play joanna shoots the warden instead of taking as much of a passive role as she does in this or anthony so what happens is it's the same idea where she gets sent to the um uh, Bed- the, they, bedlam. yeah the bedlam yeah. i was like i was gonna say the prostitution ring the bedlam um because like it's, <laughs> it's, it's not it is but it's more of like a whorehouse like that's the whole point behind it is that oh you're you're gonna run away with a sailor you're not deserving of me you deserve the streets type situation so that's kind of but he uh it's the same idea where anthony goes to save her and he goes to shoot the warning but he can't she takes the gun and shoots him instead of allowing like the way it happens but they decide to have joanna take a more passive role in this which um i kind of understand because i feel like if they made her I don't know. It would have been so out of character. Yeah, it just wouldn't have made yeah. sense that for that to be the only thing that we really see her stand up for yeah. herself, and then we never really see her again. So it, it made more sense for the movie to do it this way. Um, we only see Todd complete two shaves. Everything else is either stopped 
midway or he kills them. Only three main characters left alive, Anthony, Joanna, and Toby. Pirelli in the play is an Irishman named Daniel O'Higgins. And in the play, Todd slits Pirelli's throat instead of bashing him over the head um, with the teapot or whatever yeah. it is. And the homage to him opening up and slitting his throat was to being in the play. But again, they were going more of a bloody way and stuff like that. So that's pretty much all the notes on this. Um, yeah, I mean, we can go more into why James doesn't like it or or why Vinny, Vinny holds it in such a high regard. Um, so <laughs> you kind of touched on it doing the notes a little bit, how past iterations possibly even the play but other iterations of the story because this is an, an old british folk story that's been passed yes. down since like the 1600s i yeah i mean it was written down in 1846 well that was the first mention known written down so maybe maybe i'm but, I mean, over exaggerating oh, no no you may not be because say 1800s it's yeah. it's an old it's like the british boogeyman well it's based on a, a real sense. A real barber of Fleet Street. Yeah, but that you're what you can't you're gonna it based on somebody who, well, who might be based on somebody who might have lived in 1804. Well, that's my point. Is it's the lore is based yeah. on a which real is barber these are how all of these folk stories yeah. kind of start from a dr dramatized version of a guy that some lived on someone's block. Somewhere. He's kind of like a Jack the Ripper. This movie He's exactly yeah yeah lays out that his wife is killed. And the daughter, and so he's mad about that, and so he wants to kill this man. Not really clear when, why, or how he became a mass murdering psychopath. I don't think that moment is prevalent until he unleashes on Pirelli. Because yes. he was kind of holding back for a while, and then when but, Pirelli but was kind of poking at him a little bit. That then, is the moment yeah. that he turns into a fucking psychopath, but... Yeah. There is no like clear reasoning. There's no clear driving factor. I mean, it's the wife is dead thing and he wants to have his vengeance. Well, to me, that means you take that out directly on the people or person responsible for it. He wants to murder anybody that's in his fucking chair. No, that's not. With I, I, I yeah. disagree with that. That's not really. So Go, state your case. it's in the first song. They discussed that he was away for fit. He was away for fifteen years, right. and the point is he's imprisoned on Aust in Australia because this is during the time that we the England right. had colonized Australia. So he's hardened there because he's in Australia with all these, I mean, worst of the worst criminals in a land that's meant to kill you. So that's where he got hardened, and this entire time he was thinking about this judge that falsely accused him, imprisoned him on this land. And God only knows what happens, right? So then when he goes to Mrs. Lovett, his intention is not to be a mass murderer. His intention is for revenge against the judge and to find his wife and child. Then when he meets Mrs. Lovett, you find out that there's a meat problem in London and there's a poverty, mass poverty problem in London with the worst pies in London, the point, so on. And then it moves on to her telling the story of Benjamin Barker. And how that all happened. And then that's when he finds out that his wife was raped and murdered and drugged. And that his daughter is now imprisoned by the man who did all these things to him and his family. And that's that switch of no longer like, I don't want, just want revenge. I want, I want to 
consume him. I want to destroy everything he has and loves. About, and, about this one specific guy. Right. But I then, don't disagree with right, all of that. Right. But then I'm telling when it turns is when Pirelli comes and turns off his act and tells um, Todd that he actually is English and he was an apprentice of Benjamin Barker. And then he says, to, he calls him out telling him that he knows he's right, Benjamin Barker. Right, that's when he kills him. Yes. Right. And that's the only reason he kills him. And it's, it's a quote is because he knew who he was. Mrs. Lovett is the reason they start killing. Because Would you say that Mrs. No. Lovett is the antagonist of the she film? She is hundred yes. percent the antagonist. Yes. yes. The wolf in sheep's clothing of the movie. But I don't, I disagree with you because they have the whole conversation about you have the bloodlust, Mr. T, and you need it's it's like a bloodlust and a, and he feels compelled to kill because like you said, twelve bodies drop. How many does he drop personally? Nine or ten? Twelve. He no, you said twelve total. He dies. No, no, no. I'm sorry, I misspoke. He okay, kills so he drops people. twelve bodies in the process yes. of this. When there's really, realistically, only two or three people he needs to kill. The meat thing, at least the way that I perceived it, came up as an easy way to dispose of the bodies to handle his bloodlust and his need for mass, mass murder. Because there's literally, they have fucking, now I know what you're going to say, that they ran out of pies and it was late at night when they're about to close. But a random guy just comes walking up for a shave seemingly perfect timing when they're about to run out of product anyway. So he just lets him up there and fucking kills the guy. There's a reason for that. He gets to the moment where, well, first of all, when he kills Pirelli, that's 15 years of aggression and rage at unleashed in that moment. I'm okay with Pirelli. I'm okay with Alan Rickman. But the other people- Everything say, yeah, in yeah. between is so, senseless murder. And it's just, it's not that I don't have a problem with it. It needs to be made more clear. And, His yeah. motivation- I think that's problem seems with super fucking weak. Yeah, and that's that's problem with cutting songs and, and stuff like that. And that's part of the problem, probably the root of this entire reason why I wasn't a fan. Because now I get it's a stage production brought on film. A lot of that isn't easy. A lot of these um, plays made to made films have these problems. But it was just it felt like too the same way. We'll get to it with another character. I have strong feelings about a villain in another movie that we're going to do. Um, <laughs> I just, it wasn't enough. The, the moment of him going psychotic is clear. That's clearly after he b smashes Sasha Barrett Cohen's head in with the tea kettle. And then he, wa he wakes up unconscious and he cl cuts his throat. And from that moment forward, it's game on. But for, from getting to point A to point B... I don't feel like there's any justification because it's not to make the meat pies. It's we're making the meat pies to get rid of the bodies. It's quite the opposite. Can I give the justification? Two songs explain those reasonings. The first one is there is no place like London where he says uh, there's a hole in the world, like a great packed plate and the vermin of the world inhabit it. That's like, okay, he's pissed. Like people, he's, he doesn't want to be around anybody, whatever. Then Epiphany says they all deserve to die. That's after he gets the judge and he, he loses him. I, I'm never going to get the chance again. I'm so fucking mad. I need to get out my aggression. I need to get out my rage. And then Mrs. Lovett comes back at that idea with, oh, we can make this work to our advantage. And Todd really looks for um, her approval, which is very strange because he always looks like he has the upper hand. 
But in that one scene where Anthony comes in and says, oh, can I bring Joanna here? Notice that Todd doesn't say anything. He looks to jo to um, uh, Mrs. Lovett. Um, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can bring him here. Like, Todd doesn't make that instruction. Like, she does. So she's like forcing and she's, everything. Yeah. She's also the one that saves Toby. Because yeah. he wants to kill Toby. Well, she's quite obviously pulling the strings the whole time. By the oh, time yeah. gets the end of the movie. Can I make a connection quick? And you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. I feel like this has a slight Oedipus connection to it in terms of he's so consumed by what's going on and he's doing anything to get his goal done that in the end, he's ultimately his own. He smites himself. It's the fatal flaw. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a classic trope. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, but like specifically, I tied it to Oedipus with the like finding out at the end that he bangs his mom and then pulls because yeah. he ultimately winds up this whole time he's doing everything for his wife and the murder that he thinks the least about is actually he's the fucking yeah. guy he wants to kill because he just killed it and it's literally the least significant murder in the entire movie it's just like get the fuck out of my way and that's ultimately and what without even thinking about it he just killed his own wife and yeah. right that i made that the oedipus connection to the end of that play you, yeah you could argue i think it. that's a really good connection yeah I, I never really thought about it but yeah you, you easily could argue no that. obviously there's not the mom mother you know mother yeah. son deal it's the search for not, power and it's the, yeah, yeah just like the the fucking being too blind with rage to see through the fucking smoke and mirrors and then ultimately being the person that you've trying to destroy this entire time. But think about too how those parallels of how apprehensive he was at first to killing Pirelli. Like he let him ramble on for a long time. But when Lucy comes in and she says, uh, don't I know you? And Todd's like, I have no time for this, which he says that in the play. He's like, I have no time for you. And then he slits it. Yeah. They'd obviously do that in the movie. But um, he doesn't even think about it. So that's like how much he's... So like he, he's so fucking focused on his goal, which at that point is just to get his vengeance right. on Alan Rickman, where he's probably just going to shave this guy and let him fucking take his act and leave and go down the road until he says, oh, you're uh, Barker. Yeah, he wanted that. And then, you know, so now there's reason for it because you need to fuck this guy's going to ruin the whole plan. Yeah. So it was a little bit of the rage and a little bit of a necessity with that kill. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting, um, one of the things that you were talking about before, like that, how much they cut and stuff, that line that Lucy says, don't I know you, mister? She says that in the first scene of the play. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that Todd and Lucy don't have any interactions in the film until that point. But in the play, they see each other, I'm pretty sure, like three times. Yeah, that's why that song and bothers me, too, because it's like that's that's a. That is the other thing that drives me crazy, and I understand why it is, how it is, blinded by rage and anger in 15 mm -hmm. years. But the way that he speaks about Lucy throughout the fir whole first act of the play, wouldn't you recognize her? Well, she asked him that, and yeah, he, I know, kind like, of, he kind of was like, he didn't so want to fucking, it. He's yeah. so blinded by his rage and his 15 mm -hmm. years of whatever you want to call it. That he can't even look and see that what he wants is right in front of him from the yeah. beginning because he's so consumed by fucking himself, I guess, in a way. But like he did think she was dead. So that he, right. who the hell would have anticipated that that? Yeah, and she, she has been a beggar for upwards of 15 years. But she's, she's it was crazy. the hair that got him. Yeah. But the yeah. like the way that the way that the character is written and the way that he sings about her and speaks about her and everything, you would think that like intuition would care but you know this is just fucking picking nits he also says to to turban judge, judge turban bleh, um how did turban not recognize that sweeney todd was benjamin barker so it's like you have those parallels of like oh but i suppose the face of a barber or a prisoner in the in the dark 
is not memorable. You can even use the same argument to how Todd didn't recognize Lucy. Like the face of a beggar is not particularly memorable, especially in the dark. So that's yeah. why I give that moment a pass. Like at first it bothered me that they didn't have that scene at the beginning where they see each other for the first time. But watching the film again, uh, last night or whatever, two Shh. nights ago, um, that's how I kind of justified it because where it's like, it's so much more impactful. Am I wrong? She kind of yells that line out over Toby as Toby's escorting her out, right? The no. don't I know you, sir? No, is that she, right before she Toby breaks in. She goes after, because she sees uh, Todd take the beetle up and she sees that and she's like, oh, mischief, whatever. She's beetle, going, beetle, yeah. Beetle, 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 beetle. Uh, freaked me out. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> um, here, beetle. And uh, Joanna was hiding there. So you had, at, at one point, Todd had what he wanted. He had Lucy and Joanna in the same room. And because of his fatal flaw, that fucked it up because he was blinded, like you said, by his rage. And I think that's what makes such a compelling, him such a compelling character is that in the beginning, he has this goal that almost gets muddled by the desire to kill. I think the character is certainly compelling. The execution in this project didn't quite send it home. I have to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> I... I... <laughs> I think there's there's issues. There's there's things. Honestly, I will I won't lie. This time watching it around, um, I I remember feeling this way as a kid, um, and I don't feel this way about the play. But it's something that bothers me in the movie is the whole Anthony Joanna relationship really bothers me in this they movie. They toned it down so that's much. Why. Though from the, but you, I, you don't like that they toned it down. I think that's why. I think when it's being that it's so toned down. It's, it's almost missing like the, it's something. It's almost like the character of Anthony doesn't. A Anthony. It's what, Anthony, actually. Anthony, Anthony. He doesn't need to be there. Like, you can That's, do well, without him. Todd needs a way to find out that Joanna's alive. And Anthony is the only way that he can that he can possibly find out that Joanna's alive. Right. But in the movie, it's clear that Anthony is there for that That's reason That's what I'm saying. Solely. Yeah. In the play, he actually has purpose. They have a lot of... They, they do have that whole uh, kiss me scene. There's that song. so much. Um, there's the scene where... Uh, I think in the, in the play... Turban kills the bird, the the finch. He snaps his neck. Yes. I so that so. that was a big scene um, that I was surprised that they cut. But I understand for time reasons. Like this film is is what'd you say it was two, is an hour fifty seven? Yeah, two hours. Just, yeah, it's about two hours. So uh, yeah. there's only so much you can have a film that's two hours and you get as much detail as you possibly can, or you have I'm bringing this up for a second time, but Les Rob, that's very long and it has quite a lot of source material in that in the movie i don't even want to talk about Lamas. so it's like how do you find that balance here's what i'll say about the runtime the runtime now we say this i've said it like on every show i got this thing about two hours the two hour mark make can make or break a movie like if you got a movie that goes 220 and it's not like you feel lukewarm about it odds are you can cut 12 to 18 minutes off of that movie and make it better that's how I feel about a lot of movies. But the time isn't necessarily what matters. You could also have a two-hour and 20-minute movie that feels like you could have sat there for an extra 20 or 30 minutes. It's how it feels and how it's written and how it's paced. I didn't think this movie had a runtime or a pacing issue, but I do think if you threw another 25 minutes on, like, I'm tapping out. That's what I'm saying. Like, how like, much more could you If you throw another 25 minutes onto this movie and it's at least 10 to 12 minutes in musical numbers... Because like you're 60, not getting me to the end. Sixty percent of this movie is music. Like the music yeah. is fine. Yeah. I just like if if you told me you were gonna throw another half hour on and half of that half hour is musical numbers, 
you're not going to get me through the end of it without yeah. fidgeting in my seat, right. checking my phone, and a lot of the things. Yeah. A lot of the things that that you were saying were omitted were musical numbers. It were it was chorus. It was a lot of scenes between Anthony and yeah. Joanna that yeah. were musical numbers in the play. So they don't really have a lot of interactions that aren't musical numbers in the play. So it's so it's hard yeah, because I, since they're trying to keep this consistent tone, having those love songs and all that stuff, I feel would detract from the tone I feel like Burton was going for. No, I understand why the choices were made, but it affects its score. That's fair. That's I mean, like that's honestly I feel about because it it's just like and you know what probably too is that I'm a massive musical person. We have seen musicals handled very well in songs and scenes being admitted rent being one of them rent is a phenomenal film that stands alone away from the play but also stands a, a, a as a great adaptation and it omitted a lot one of the things it omitted was um one of the main characters like an origin thing which is a death scene in the song and there's a reason for why it was omitted but it still works. It doesn't affect the storyline. Like this, the omitting this, I feel affect the storyline because it made characters not pointless, but there for exposition. Antony is clearly there to drive the story along. Joanna, why is Joanna even there? To give to give to Todd, give Todd to give Todd hope. Mm, or to give Todd a reason to need to murder the judge because she's still alive. But that's the play too. The play is is jo Todd and Joanna never have a scene together. No, it's not about that though. But Joanna, at least in the play, has has a leg to stand on. She's at least someone. She's a character. I, I do agree that she's as a character. She's not fully. She's not fleshed out not in all. in the in the movie. But there's so many other things going on that giving screen time to Joanna would it would detract from the rest of the clearly it's Todd's it's Todd's movie but at the same at the same time you give more scenes to Joanna I understand the reason why because I, I I agree she should have been more fleshed out but because think like of it this hard way. finding that think that of balance. it this way though in reality you could completely cut Joanna and Antony and it does not change the storyline you could inference them you could exposition them we could talk about them you could hear about Joanna you could never moment, once though, see yeah. her at the I, end I understand yeah. why it's necessary but think about it you could literally completely omit them and still have the same story that's a problem then they're not necessary and then the only and then the reason why the judge ends up going to Todd in the first place was because he wants to look good creepily for Joanna yeah, I know I, so, I understand again so she's just yeah. a driving force in that she's She's the same as a car. She's the same as... Uh, she's just a want. She's not a person. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, no, I, I I do agree with that. I just... And, and for, for me, Anthony, it didn't take anything out of it. I understand why it took out of it. Yeah. It took you out like, of it. Because even think yeah. of Anthony. A Anthony, too. All, he just sees her in the window, thinks she's pretty, yeah. and then wants her. She uh, Joanna, the entire time, is just an object of men's desires. The entire time. Put it that way. It's yeah. kind of hard to dispute that. Yeah. No, but that's what she is. She's not giving any characterization. She's not giving yeah. any real reason to she, be there. She's no different from a piece of jewelry or a treasure yeah. chest or anything with value. Yeah. And in she's the play, an item. yeah, she's itemized. Exactly. In, this, in the movie. Yeah. And in the play, at least, yes, yeah, she is itemized. 
But she has a redemption moment. She stands up for herself and she's not this weak little thing that she's made to be. And, and I think, too, that's why Green Finch and Lineberg hits a lot harder in the play because she's saying, like, yeah, I may be trapped like my lark, but I'm still going to sing. I still have my voice. I still have my power. And that's that song means next to nothing without all the other stuff for her. You know, like, so... And I, I think it means... Less to that he didn't kill the bird. Yeah, I think that matters that, too. It's like I'm taking that's a, your freedom away from you. Right, that's yeah. a symbol of your her. hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I do. I think there's there's issues there. But um, I guess let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. Or, did you have anything to say? You want? There was something that I had to say before we took the break, and now it's skipping my mind. I will just take a break. Drop the OI and focus on you this October with Stay Thirsty Co's Droptober. That's right. Every week in the month of October, brand new drops. On top of this, the promo code HAVOC, H-A-V-O-C, is going to get you 15% off of your total order. That's staythirstyco.com. Droptober, new drops every week the month of October. It's going to be sick. You want to get it first. Promo code's HAVOC. What's up? We're back. It is time. The best time of the show. The highly esteemed Rewind Awards. Going to start with best acting. I, for me, this is a landslide victory, unanimous decision, Helena Bonham Carter. Agreed. Johnny Depp. No. 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 I say no. No. There is so much suppressed emotion and anger and rage that is is all expressed non-verbally. And in the play, it's, you, you, you have to be, you have to, ex, you know, exuberate all of that. But in the movie, that's all suppressed. And the times when he does unleash, you feel it. And you, you feel the tension every time he's in the room, especially when he finds out that Mrs. Levitt lied to him. And he's like, come here, my love. Like that moment, you're like, oh, shit. Like that look in his eyes. I can tell you fucking terrifying. every single time they are together on scene, I never look at him. Helena Bonham Carter controls the dynamic of the room every time she's in the room. She controls the dynamic. Like she, whenever the camera's on her, it's on her and then everybody else. And she controls the electricity between mm -hmm. the two of them and the charisma. Everything is, goes through her. She's the like all time point guard of this movie. Yeah, Johnny Depp's. I mean, she, I don't even want to get it. I have plenty. Of, I got, I got time for Johnny Depp when we get to a different award. But, <laughs> um, I, like you said, the first in the the worst pies in London, you could see it on my face. And I said that she's fucking phenomenal. And I already knew she was phenomenal. She's amazing in everything. So in these situations, you want to look at it and maybe think, is it just because of my blind love for her work? Not the case. No, I don't think so. I think she is everything of this movie. I think she, one, she's stunning. She's just stunning to watch. Um, she, like you said, she controls every scene. She's just, even the scene, and honestly, this is why I think she's, she wins because even the scene where he, she pulls out his, his blades for the first time and he sings my friends and she's supposed to be this like background little like mousy, like I'm your friend too, Mr. Tom, all that type of stuff. She steals the scene. It's his song. It's his moment. It's, it's mm -hmm. his big this is his moment, and I don't give a shit about it. I agree. It. I watch I agree her the entire 100%. fucking time. Every time I watch that scene, I watch her. I watch her face. I watch her. I never watch him. 
I'm, even when it's he's up and she's down on like she's kneeling like and he stood up and now has the blade in his hands mm-hmm. I'm still watching her kneeling on the ground she's just the she's just that she's good. the star of the show she is she's that good she is just that good and actually I forgot to say this in the notes um uh Sodheim almost did not allow Johnny Depp to play Todd because of his voice would have been a good choice it was after he heard him do more Broadway um, that he was like, okay, he can actually work because he was like, no, he's too rock and roll. But I, I do think it, his voice does work for the play. I mean, for the, for this version of it. But For someone who hasn't sung on film, I think he nailed it. Well, he's also a singer, though. Like he, Johnny well, in Depp this way, is In this singer. way, though, in this, in this, because like singing these types of songs is difficult. and like what he's doing with the Hollywood vampires, 100%. so different, mm-hmm. yeah. So to be able to pull this off is, is very impressive. I mean, I had this conversation recently with one of my friends who's a singer um, and another friend who's a singer. So the one friend who's, um, she can sing anything anyway. It doesn't matter. She thinks every song's easy. She just has that type of voice. Me and my other friend disagree because we're both trained in, in musical theater and Broadway and jazz. Two completely different styles of singing, two completely different ways of singing, where you hold your voice, where you project, all that stuff. And then when I like when I switch to rock or pop or same with him, it's a little harder for us to to nail those songs and get that because of mouth vowels and breathing and the way you're supposed to do things. So I do I will have to say, kudos to him for that because to jump into this type of um, musical is tough. It, it's not easy. It's not easy songs. It's not an, it, Todd is not an easy role to 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 do well. So I will, I will, I do give him credit for that. Absolutely. I don't think he's bad in the role, but he's not the best performance at all. Sorry, Vinny. Ah, listen. It's, it's <laughs> I don't are... think he's the second or the third best performance, but that's besides the point. Who would you cast Toby. As, as him? Oh, who would I cast instead of him? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not necessarily playing the recast. You think game. Toby I was think better? Toby was better than Johnny Depp. Right, I, that's that's I, I swear to God, I didn't even hear that part. In I was his like, wait, role, wait, what? In his role, I think he was better at executing his role than Johnny Depp was. No. Oh my God. I just Best that. quotes. I'm going to defer to you two because I think they all suck. Holy Jeez. shit. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my God. So I'm going to defer to you two on quotes. All right. I'm going to go first. So I said, uh, I have a couple. The history of the world, my pet, is to is learn forgiveness and try to forget. And that's at the very end when he's about to kill her. I love that line. And I love the fact that he's about to kill her too. So it's this whole, um, there's so many different um, things about that line. And then the other, a uh, couple others were, these are desperate times, Mrs. Lovett, and desperate measures are called for. Um, when Joanna sings in uh, Green Finch and Linnet if I cannot fly, let me sing. That, when I was, so I was in seventh grade when this came out. Um, that, that line. Hold and on, that, hold on. No, you weren't. December uh, 2007. Okay, yeah. I was in seventh grade. I was in seventh grade. I always think 2007 and think I was in high school, but the, you know, no. 07, 08 was my freshman year. Yeah, no, so. I was, I was in seventh grade. So, um, that, that really stuck to me and then when i sang it for nisma a couple of years later in high school i just singing that song like you feel the emotion of that song it, it's it's actually a pretty emotional song um and being so high it's a little it's it's tough if that's not really your range um what was his crime foolishness i think that's a great line too I have to hand it to her. What I call enterprise popping pussies into pies wouldn't do in my shop. Just the thought of it's enough to make you sick. And I'm telling you that pussycat is quick. 
I love that line because of Todd's face. Because she's like, you know, like, I would never do that. And she's like, I'm telling you, the pussycat is quick. And he's like, wait, what? Like, so now you're telling me that it's just because you can't catch them that you're not using them. So I think that's a great line. I also think it's very fitting of Mrs. Lovin. It kind of shows who she is, where she's kind of a keeping up with the Joneses type person, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm this person. I'm great and this and that. But I'll do what it takes to, you know, get by type thing. Um, the line after she finds out that he kills... Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, which was Mr. T, you did it. You, uh, you're, you're barking mad, killing a man. Uh, what done you no harm? And then he turns around and says, "You recognize me from the old days. Tried to blackmail me, half my earnings." And she goes, "Oh well, that's a different matter then." <laughs> like I love. She's like I thought you've gone mad yeah, for a second. Like, for, <laughs> for a moment there, I thought you lost your marbles. I think that's a great <laughs> line too because it's just like it's just the the quick turn of uh, oh my god, you're crazy to me. Like oh, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I do that too. You know. Another great one is, um, so they don't come in sins of the flesh, so it's pretty fresh, which is Bella Priest. I thought that was great, too, because, like, I think that whole song is great, honestly. The little quips about the different, you know, well, if you're British and loyal, you might enjoy Royal Marine. Anyway, it's clean. Like, I love <laughs> shit like that. It's so great. And then, like, yeah, the priest and the poet and just great. Um and then the the last one I had was I'll call again uh, I'll come again when you have judge on the menu, which is kind of that, <laughs> that yeah. was one of classic. That one was good. That's yeah. a great great one, and I, I think that's probably one of the most known lines from this this movie and this play. So um, for best quote, I honestly I for probably nostalgia reasons I would say if I cannot fly let me sing just because I just hold such a meaning to me, but. I, there's there's a there's a bunch of good ones. Mine what? is uh, at last my arm is complete again. I knew you were gonna say that one. Man. Really? Yeah, Man. I almost wrote it's that one down. One. It's but... not a bad one. And I I like that's my number one. My number two is when he's on the boat with Anthony and he says, "You are young. Life has been kind to you. It's kind to you, and you will learn." That's yeah, that's a good one too. Um, and I do like I'll come again when you have judge on the menu. That's a fucking. It's great the way one. he I'll come again delivers when you have judge it. Judge on the menu is great. Yeah, it's a good one. I think it's the, his the delivery whole, yeah, the too. Whole part of it. Yeah, that whole song is great. From the moment from the her finding out about like Mr. T, you did it to, well, I guess he won't have any relatives going to come around poking, yeah. you know, looking for him. And that whole entire exchange, the dancing, like mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, well, might as well just go right into favorite scene. That's probably my favorite scene. My favorite scene is gotta be the Sasha Baron Cohen shave. The Pirelli shave. Oh, the contest? That's good no, thing. not the contest. When he comes back for the personal shave and he shaves him, the reveal that I, I'm really an Englishman and I know who you are and he fucking picks up mm-hmm. the tea kettle. Because it's like he's sitting there. It's almost like Pirelli isn't what sets him over the edge because then the tea kettle starts pissing and it makes him look at it and it's almost like the sound of that is what finally made him fucking mad enough picks up the tea kettle, beats the piss out of him. I love a good bludgeoning to death. Like weapons are a little, you know. There is any, any, Anybody who has already got a razor blade behind someone's yeah. neck trusting could cut their throat. It takes a special kind of sociopath to beat the life out of a man with a fucking tea kettle. And that whole thing, the way like even as much as I don't like Johnny Depp's performance, like that whole scene, the physical acting with his body while he's doing it. And then doesn't he drop it after? Yeah. Yeah. He's like beating his past away. Like that whole yeah. that whole deal, and then 
not everything that happens in the in-between, but also when he pulls him back out out of the trunk and finishes the job. Yeah. That's part of it. You know what I think too about that scene? Worst scene? Before we keep going? My worst Wait, scene? Wait, before we, I want to- Go ahead. I, just because it's about the scene. Um, you know what I thought too about that scene is that when you say he's being at the best, he's beaten, he's killing Benjamin Barker. That's like, it's mentally like, I think I think there's a moment where he, he stops seeing Pirelli and starts seeing Benjamin Barker and he's killing- yeah, 100%. What, what, like, it's almost like he's killing what good was left inside of him. You know, and that like, that's where we're moving on. But what, what were you going to say we're seeing? The whole bit at the end where he kills the wife. And then it's the clusterfuck of finding out all of the fuckery and everyone's dead. Like that whole rushing of mm -hmm. the end for me is not satisfying. Now, we already touched on it, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. That is kind of like a play, a stage performance yeah. ending. Because you like. There's, that's just the way it is. That's how most of these things always tend to wrap and end. So I'm not going to look too much into it, but that is, it's it's not a satisfying end. Which is maybe the point. There's like a whole but, scene after that too, like in the play that they obviously cut, like where it's yeah. like the chorus, they all come together yes, and everybody yeah, stands yeah. up and all that shit. Obviously it's not going to work in the film, but like it is cut off. Like, all right, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, but I will say that final shot is incredible. Because you see the repercussions of everything. Not like even Mrs. Not, Lovett's in the oven. It, it's, turbans over there. No, it's not. Even, it's I mean, just aesthetically. I mean, it's just as oh, a, as a cinematographer. Shot, yeah. It's 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 well, I'm not a cinematographer, but as a director, it is a shot that I could see myself using. Like, I could see myself turning around in a certain film, being like, "Oh, you know what shot I want to try doing," and it's gonna be like because that it, it from. From the moment, like, Toby comes around and slits Todd's throat to the head dropping and all the blood and it just covering Lucy's face and that pan out and he's just sitting there. Like, and I, I, it's a classic Tim Burton and it's a classic Tim Burton shot, but that's a shot to me that's, that, like, stays with you. Like, I, that, I, rewatching it, I was like, yeah, I remember this shot. Like, that's something, that shot stayed with me. Didn't I yeah. say that's a hell of a shot? You might have. It's, or was it, that a different movie? We've watched like seven movies this week. I think at the end I no, looked I think at that it was, and I said that's a hell of a shot. It's it's because it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, you know what it is? It's like at one of those gothic paintings you'd see yes. in a fucking museum. It's there's a you know what it reminds me of? Um, which I know I don't know if I've shown you this scene. I definitely have forced you to watch this scene from the show The Medici. In yeah. the not the last season, the second to last season. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. It's the, I call it the the Renaissance painting scene. It's a shot in a church, and there's all it's Was it the slow motion shot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's that the high speed camera shot. Yeah. It so they use a high speed camera camera, and that's to get this shot. And it the way it's done, the way it moves, the I, it is one of my favorite shots I have ever seen. I probably might say it is my favorite shot. And that, this scene reminds me, like the shot reminds me of it. And the feelings that that shot to me invoked is also kind of invoked in the scene. Because it is, it's a very traumatic scene in both situations. And it's just, I think that leaving a, a film like that or leaving a scene like that so haunting, that image, I mean, that image could have been the fucking poster. Like, honestly. Yeah. Like. Because you, like you said, you see everything. That, everyone's, the, everyone's there. It's great. You have Beetle, Turbine. It is a typical like Broadway ending. Like, you know, yeah. like everybody's on the stage and 
you see like what a mess the situation turned into. Yeah. You know, I just, just seeing the oven itself is creepy because I'm like, there's a person in there. There's multiple. Know? There's multiple people there in there. There was pies yeah. in there when there she got pies. there. And she got to be one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a gorgeous shot. Um, are we still going with the... Uh, do you ha- did you have your own favorite scene? Epiphany. Uh, I think that's a fantastic yeah. fucking moment. Um, my least favorite would probably be By the Sea. I love By the Sea, but that scene <laughs> I is... you're going to say that. Because the, like, I understand... You're going into her imagination and you're going into her fantasy, but it's right at the height of the tension. And I'm like, all right, I, I like the song, but let's go, let's go, let's go. But like, it doesn't detract from the movie for me. It's just like, if I had to pick the worst, the not even the worst, the scene that I would do the least with, that's probably that one. You know what scene actually I could do without? And um, I actually do like the song. It's a little, it's a little creepy, but I do like the song is um, Joanna. I feel you, Joanna. It's a beautiful song and he's, He's, he's amazing with it. His voice is incredible. And I think that's the only reason why I it doesn't bother me is because Jimmy Camel Bauer sings it so beautifully. Like it's it's emotional when you hear him sing yeah. it. He does it so well, but it's a it's just a scene that I just don't care about. Do you like the first one or the reprise? Either. You could get rid of both from the film for me. I like both versions, but um I mean, honestly. I just like him singing it. Yeah. I just like the melody of the song. It's not even the lyrics. I don't like the lyrics of the song. I like the the sound of the song, the melody like of the song, and his voice on the song. Mm-hmm. But the lyrics, I'm not crazy about. Like I'll I'll steal you, Joanna. Like I I understand it's supposed to be romantic, and so I just don't like it. Cause you know why? Cause in the movie, she's just a fucking prize. That's why I don't like it. In the play, it doesn't bother me. And yeah. that's probably why like I'm having this hard distinction. Cause in the play, I like the song a lot. And it doesn't bother me because she's, she is a person in it and she does hold up her own and she ends up in a way saving Anthony when she turns around, takes the gun and shoots the warden. So in this, I think it bothers me because, you, okay, you do you want a cookie too? Because you've been away on a journey for a long time. Like you want any woman that looks pretty at this point. You've been on a fucking ship. Like it's how I feel in the movie. So that's why I just feel like, yeah, get rid of that. Because, Okay. Cool. He could have he could have seen any pretty girl on the street and been like, "What's your name, Sally? I see you, Miss Sally." Like you know what I mean? Like okay, great, Joanna. The one the the fucking Rapunzel in the goddamn towel with the golden blonde hair. Of course you're gonna sing about that one. So that's my least favorite. <laughs> like, All right, Mar- Marissa Tomei Award for the best dress. Um, obviously Mrs. Lovett. No questions asked. That's what I figured. That's unanimous. Yeah, I agree. Moving forward, um. Dion Waiters. Hard. It's a hard one for a Dion Waiters. Sasha? I think it's Sasha. I would say Sasha. She's uh, phenomenal. Yeah, I like Sasha Baron Cohen a yeah, lot. And his range? Holy, he's got well, a crazy well, range. Beatles is more important. No, his his voice range. No, no, I'm saying like character wise. I think the oh, Beatles, yeah, Beatles yeah, yeah. in it too Beatles much. Beatles in it too much. He's, yeah, in a, he's in it almost every scene with I think Sasha's almost the only choice. Yeah. I mean, unless people who qualify, I, I think Joanna qualifies. No. I mean, she, she qualifies. I but think no. Anthony qualifies just on the cusp. Sasha Baron Cohen obviously qualifies. 
think Toby's in it too Lucy much. Lucy qualifies. Yeah, Lucy's in it less. I feel like than um. I think I think if you I don't really think Anthony qualifies as much. He's like on the cusp. Him and Joanna. He's are like, like that Sam Jackson and Jurassic Park yeah. argument that we had. Like he's just yeah insignificant enough. He's really only in four, five, six, seven scenes maybe. In the beginning, on the boat, and then he comes back to ask if yeah. he can bring her. He's not in it. There's no, only like two songs in like of four scenes. Right? Yeah, he's yeah, not, not in much. it that much. It's not much. He just barely qualifies. I'm still going Sasha Baron Cohen. I say Sasha. Yeah. The whole spectacle deal when they're doing the good old-fashioned mid-1800s fucking selling you snakeskin all the way to losing the, the shave off all the way down to his interaction right before he dies. He's throwing fire. He's throwing 100 miles an hour for fucking three innings and he's getting out of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the great line too he has it was really the Pope. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a great, like, you say the Pope, it was really the Pope. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would say him. Um, oh, we also didn't talk about how many uh, Harry Potter alums we got. In yeah, this. Well, there's oh at least God. three. We got Alan Rickman, who was Snape. We got Beetle, who was uh, Wormtail. We have Helena Bonham, Carter. Helena Bonham Carter, who was Bellatrix Lestrange. We have Jamie Campbell Bower, who was uh, Grindelwald. And we have Johnny Depp, who was Grindelwald. Yeah, I wasn't counting them. Why they're both Harry Potter people? Well, yeah, but it's well separate. No, in the well, universe. Jamie, Jamie, uh, Jamie Campbell Bower was correct. Old in correct. He was Johnny in Depp. Yes, Johnny Depp is a Fantastic Beast character. Yeah, but so I, I get what you're saying, but I didn't think I didn't count it. I counted the three of them. Right, we should say um, we should say the the world of Harry Potter. Fair. I just I didn't even I didn't even count Johnny Depp as a Harry Potter actor when I was thinking. Well, he's not anymore. He's not anymore. As of right now. So the Kristen Stewart Award, good segue. Kristen Stewart Award for bad acting. Now bad is a stretch, but I am giving this award to Johnny Depp. Now it's not necessarily against the other performances in the film so much as it's Johnny Depp against Johnny Depp. I think this is by far his least compelling performance that I've ever seen him in to date. If I had to rank them all, I think this is dead last far and away. I think his Grindelwald was better since we were talking about that. I think, like, why not just, we said Alan Rickman was doing Snape. I think if he just did a modified Edward Scissorhands or worked some Edward Scissorhands into this role, it might have worked better for me. I feel like Edward Scissorhands is such a passive character, though. You, you need more of a, you need more weight to to a character like this, and I think he holds. Or back. even like a little bit more, like, I don't know what it is. I just, it's not doing it for me. To say it's the worst acting in the movie is a stretch. That's not what I'm saying. I just think, like, we hit this at the top. Johnny Depp is in the top five for me, actors of our time. And seeing this movie so far removed from its release, just probably realistically, if I saw this movie in eighth grade, it would have felt different about it. But then again, I'm not the same person I was in eighth grade. So maybe if I saw it in eighth grade, I would have still felt the same way because I wasn't into. Yeah, I don't think you would. I wasn't into like I I've always been into this, like the theater musicals on on a DVD or in in a no, thank you. Live performances. I got it. A musical on a movie was never my thing as a kid. So I don't even know if seeing it younger would save me, but I would have seen that before I saw him get to do half of the shit that he's done since then. So I wouldn't be holding it up against his Mount Rushmore of acting. Yeah, I mean, honestly though, for worse acting, I would not even put him. I would either put Anthony or probably Joanna. Those are my two. And Joanna, honestly, I understand why they did it, but like, can we darken her eyebrows a little bit? 
Please. Oh my god. It drives me fucking crazy. She looks like she belongs in the like one of the elves in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> she looks like she hasn't seen the light of day in 15 fucking years, but she probably Which, hasn't. Again, That's is probably the point. point. I um it's Anthony. I, I kind of think the green it's Anthony. Scene is like you feel at least you you get some kind of character from that where Anthony is kind of one note throughout the whole yeah, film. Yeah, I think it's Anthony. And it's not and honestly it He's great. He's yeah. It's yeah. not even him as an actor because he's very. I've seen him a lot. Of things. He's a very fucking good actor. It's it's the role. It's the role that because they, they condensed his role. It's it's that's why I think they falls on one. This of is the one award more than anyone else where it's not directly your responsibility all the time for receiving it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know because they're like we gave it to fucking Gail Godot, right? Or maybe we didn't. No, we didn't give it to her. We gave it to Kristen Wiig, but we mentioned how. Gail Godot, how Gail Godot's acting fell short and yeah. she it looks like she gave up on screen midway through shooting. And that's largely not her fault. Yeah. It's largely the writing. Yes. So um, a lot of the time, it's not a knock on, on the person who gets this award. The situation, maybe the match wasn't good. They didn't utilize them. They didn't write the character as good as they could have. Well, one question I got to ask is this is a musical. Favorite song? What, my favorite song? Mm-hmm. And in from the musical, not like from the that's in the sh- in the movie, not from the whole play. In the my movie. favorite song that's in the movie. Yes, Epiphany. That makes sense. Tony and Sasha, Toby and Sasha Baron Cohen. That whole deal. Perry's magical. Elixir. Sure, yeah. Little that one's yours. Probably Little Priest. Little Priest. I love Little Priest. Yeah, Priest. that's gotta be a. T- that's I would. Pre- do you, I could get up and one man show Little Priest right now. <laughs> they shortened that song too. No, don't even talk to me. They shortened um, Greenfinch and Leonard Bird, and that pisses yeah. me the fuck off because I sang the the whole version of Nisma. And let me tell you, there's yeah. like a whole nother verse. It's not in that they took out like a like line. like they shortened most of these songs. They did. I understand why they, they shortened A Little Priest though because it's like you hit the same beats. Like, yeah, no. Oh, little, how about this person? How about this person? No, A Little Priest actually does not bother me yeah. as much as other songs because it it does work for the movie. It's perfectly paced in the movie. But the but Greenfinch and Lynette Bird, the lines they cut out, I can I understand why they cut them out? Yes, but at the same time, I disagree with it because it, it doesn't answer the song. And it makes that um that uh the my cages my cages many rooms damas in dark and the ah uh, part a little stronger because you had a whole nother moment of breathing. Instead we have a verse and she's jumping right into the bridge like why are you and it's like there's a whole nother moment for like the song to breathe and for you to really feel the plight of this girl who's known nothing but a room in her lark, you know? So it's very theater directing talk right now. Listen. It gets a little technical on Listen. the show from time to time. <laughs> uh, one of our, one of our regular hosts is, is mostly a director yeah. and we got her over here. And we actually had an actress on a couple. Of we weeks did. Ago. We got all, all walks did. of the fucking, all walks of the industry. And then me, just a schmuck who <laughs> likes to talk on a microphone. Yeah. That's it. We're done, right? I think so. I don't think we got anything else to say, right? Oh, uh, we got to rescore it. I'm sticking, um, I'm sticking, I'll go five, five. I'll give it two, two points. Five, five. Didn't you come in at five, five? Came in at five, three, I thought. Uh, could, I, yeah, five, four. Five, Listen, three. wherever I came in at, I'm right now five, five. Okay. Are you still a 10? On the basis of what you guys said, I will take it into consideration. I will downgrade my score to a 9.5. 
Okay, okay. I feel better about that because Sweeney Todd should not be the first fucking 10 we have on this this pod- well, podcast. Vinny gave it a 10. We didn't give it a unanimous 10. I know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a, saying. I it's all four. Saying. <laughs> he gives it a 10. I give it a five. Right now, it's sitting at a 10. <laughs> <laughs> You're not really a high average right now. of math, something <laughs> I'm not very good at. Its weighted score is nowhere near a 10 um, unless you bring it up. No, well, I mean, I'm probably sitting, I'm probably sitting at like a seven three. Seven three. Yeah. I Where did you come in at the beginning at? Like a, a seven three. Seven three. It was around there, right? Yeah. So we yeah. agree it's about a seven. Yeah, I I would put this movie as a seven. Like I I. I give it a five five. He gives it a nine five. You give it a seven three. Yeah. That averages out to about a seven. I I'm would, not gonna take out a calculator right now. But. No, I think that's fair. I mean, he may have to he may have to fight us later when we leave the studio. But well, you know, maybe I'll watch it a few more times. Maybe we'll rehash it out a year or two from now when we're getting paid from Blue Chew. All right, but right now <laughs> this is how I feel. Five I, five. Do you think do you think your score would increase if I just one man showed it for you right now? I. Don't think so. You sure? I think it might get worse. <laughs> and that's nothing on your talent. That's would it, not, would it help if talent. next time I bring the replica blade that I have from the movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, dude? No. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this the next time I watch it fucking alone. With no, with no, with the, I, okay. with the light blocked out and, no, and my phone turned off. And I, I don't want like, anybody to distract me. I would like hours. to say... I did not sing a single fucking song while we watched it together. You did it. So that's surprising. She, hears she was song working the radio too, though. No, no, no. I could have sang every damn song, hit it, and I would try to hit every note. I would definitely not hit every note because I'm this. What just can't. were we watching that you sang? And I was like, Hamilton. I've never oh, seen this God. before. Yeah, Hamilton. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> we listen one thing, and it's like a five minute tangent. Well, <laughs> we watched it when it first went on Disney Plus. Yeah. Right. Yes. And this is the first time I've ever seen it or heard any of the music. And we're like two songs in and she's belting it at the top oh of one. And I, I reached over, I grabbed the remote control, I paused it and I said, Emily, I've never seen this play before. I'd like to hear the actors. <laughs> I'd like to hear why everyone thinks Lin-Manuel Miranda is so great. Did you end up liking it? Yeah, Hamilton. I, okay. was, I, was I, I would just like to, to preference that. I am a trained singer, but I just don't sing anymore. So I do actually no, have a No, she's voice. not a bad singer. It's just that I didn't sign up to hear well, Emily's performs. take on Hamilton. That's I didn't well, sign. I didn't click play on Emily's one-man show that, version of Hamilton. Yeah, I clicked that, play on the original Hamilton run. That, that was all it was. That is the next time we watch it, you can sing every song because I've seen it already. Oh, I'm going to. Good. That's not even a question. My problem is, is that I am an entertainer and what I do is... I, I, entertain. I entertain the people. I entertain. Are you not entertained? And I guess on that note. That was Sweeney Todd. See you guys in two weeks. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. Whatever movie it was about. Uh, this is a generic pre-recorded outro, but we hope you had fun. We sure do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. And the only prescription is more cowbell. We will not go quietly into the night. Stay gold. Pony boy. I will not die sober! Get those fucking loose! That's all, folks.